Support comes from Adelaide Interiors. Their design team can expertly manage every detail of your renovation and remodeling project from start to finish. From bathrooms to kitchens, appliances, cabinets, countertops, flooring, and coverings. More at Adelaide.com. Support for The Zest comes from People's Gas, delivering clean, efficient, and affordable natural gas for cooking at home with precise temperature control. More at floridasenergy.com. I almost died. You know, the people tell me, oh, that was close. Well, no, that was not close. I knock on the door. I touch the door of that, and I refuse to go in. That's how bad it was. I'm Robin Sessingham, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and southern charm are all about food in Florida. Today we're talking to Chef Renee Valenzuela. Renee brought Mexican cuisine to Tampa Bay by way of the food truck before food trucks were cool. We'll hear what he has to say about life, about food, and about celebrating. Support for the Zest podcast comes from Seitenbacher brand natural foods like muesli cereals, oils, oatmeal, energy bars, gluten-free fruit gummies for the kids, organic coffee, and more. Available in supermarkets, health food stores, or online at seitenbacher.com. Renee Valenzuela is best known as the founder and former owner of Taco Bus. Renee's life and career came to a standstill two years ago when he was burned in a horrific kitchen fire. He says he's learned a lot about himself during his recovery, and now he's ready for his next venture. This time, he's teaming up with Jamal Wilson, owner of Hall on Franklin in Tampa, and he's expanding to Orlando. I talked to Renee about a lot of things, including his accident, the food from his home region of Mexico, and what to make for Cinco de Mayo. Renee Valenzuela, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. You are probably most famous around here in Florida for Taco Bus. Yes. Um, which now has 16 locations. That's right. You sold your owner's share right. uh, several years ago. That's right, about but four years ago. I'll tell you, the first time I went to Taco Bus, I was trying to go to Ella's. Amer- I was in the neighborhood. I was ah, trying to go to Ella's Americana Folk, Folk Art Cafe. And and they had a, an hour wait. And I said, well, where else can we go? I had a bunch of teenage boys with me, and they were, everybody was hungry. And they said, go to Taco Bus. Uh, and I thought, a bus? <laughs> <laughs> where are you sending me? Right. It was fantastic. It was a revelation. I, I I didn't know anything about it. We sat down at the picnic tables. We ordered from the window. And honestly, Renee, I feel like that was the first time I ever had real Mexican food. It That's was awesome. it was a revelation for me. Well, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. You know, this is the kind of stuff that, that really rocks my world. Um, I love to provide that experience, and and we had a lot of fun, you know, um, when we did Taco Bus and in that location in Hillsborough. That's where all this started. Yeah, that was in Seminole Heights, right? I guess. In Seminole Heights, right. you know, back when there was nothing there. There wasn't. There much. wasn't anything, and then and then and then second one was Ella's, and then everybody started coming in that Seminole Heights became very popular with. Um, um, Greg and Michelle Baker doing the refinery, and then you know all the other restaurants. You know, so many of them uh, right now is a, a row of, of, of Mexican um, of different restaurants. I'm sorry, that are 
uh, all doing fantastic food, you know, all independent, um, chef-driven uh, concepts. Tell me your story. So you decided you'd, you'd had Taco Bus for a long time, Decided to sell, you were going to start your own Renee's Mexican Kitchen. Right, right, right. And let's hear the story. There was a well, uh, horrible accident. Yes. <laughs> so I'll give you the whole story real quick. I immigrated to the United States in 1995, and uh, I had a Mexican restaurant. I had few re- Mexican restaurants in Mexico before I came here. But when I got here, it was too expensive to open a real restaurant because here – you you know, you have to have excess hoods and and um, grease traps and ADA compliance restrooms. And before you know it, it's a lot of money. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just the, so you were amazed when you got here at how expensive it how was compared expensive? to in Mexico. Absolutely, because in Mexico, especially back in the day, you know, you put a grill in the front and some tables and chairs and you were in business. Yeah, you had a restaurant. Th- that's it. So I had to start uh, on the street like I had in Mexico. I had some, as a, as a teenager in college, I had you know, some, some trailers uh, and some st- street food. Um, and then I also had a, a brick and mortar before I came here. And uh, so I had to go back to the street. And that was back then when they weren't popular. Nobody knew what it was. Nobody liked them. Um, it, you know, th- there weren't any rules or regulations, and and it was very, it was very difficult because uh, you know you would try to get a corner, and then as soon as you got popular, somebody would point the finger at you. You had to move. You're right. No one really knew anything about food trucks back then. Right. Uh, cities hadn't made allowances. No, no. So you were so one of the pioneers. Absolutely. You know, we we were one of the very few that they started with that, and the, so now it becomes super popular, and everybody and their brother has one. And even the mayor of Tampa backed it up, and so he's got a, a, the mayor's rally, and so now uh, the, the, there's there's that more um, acceptance. There's the, there's all these new rules that come along with it too, and uh, and, and it keeps progressing into right now. I think the new um, so the, the when the food truck rallies that was the next step, and so it's, they've been super popular, and now to me the next step is this halls. The food, halls. The, the food halls, right? So now is is the experience of having those dif- different little um, places that are chief driven, small, independent, very interesting food, all together. But now under one roof <laughs> with AC so and the table be, service. You wanted to be part of that. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, yeah. I just got together with uh, Jamal Wilson, who's mm-hmm. got the Hall of Franklin. Right. We've spoken to Jamal about his yes. idea. It's a little bit different kind of a food hall because you don't have to stand in line after line. Right. You can sit down at the table. And I order love from, it, and that's why I'm going oh, with him. Such a nice because you know idea. you go to some halls in which is uh, basically a food court and. And and he doesn't have this whole sense of hospitality, you know. That you, so we had meetings, business meetings that that were okay. So you got to get up, and where is your food? Is your food ready? And then no, no, you know, you, it, it kind of breaks the momentum of what you want to talk about. But in this hall, where it's full service, you got your waiters taking your order. Everybody's sitting at the table. You keep ordering drinks. If the food is a little bit late, no, you know, nobody cares. The food comes whenever. But nobody got, has to get off the table to go to the different stalls and, and, and find if your food is ready or not. So that, to me, is hospitality. It's and, so much and, and easier. I, I was just at a food hall recently, and, and so to, my friend grabbed a table uh-huh. while I went and got our food, 
and I just thought, so I don't get to see my friend. You know, right, I'm, right, right. I'm standing and, and in line not, for 20 minutes not, while she's sitting there, and I thought, well, uh-huh. this isn't. Uh, you know, I don't get. I'm not. I'm not talking to her. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so it's not, not only is it's not conducive to these business settings, but also it's not romantic. <laughs> right. I don't think you know. Like, okay, you go get your food there. I get my food there. We're walking around with the trays. I mean, uh, however, you know, they got an inch. Um, these other kinds of and, and it's super popular, and uh, this other kind of hole that, that Jamal is doing is is a different setting, a different feeling. And then so, yeah, we're going to, to that. Um, that is uh, the second half of this year in Orlando is the first one. And there's two. Uh, now, Jamal already has one at Hall on Franklin. Right. You're going to partner up with him in Orlando for uh, his yes, Hall in Orlando. Yes. And what are you, what's your, what's your restaurant? Well, it's Renee's Mexican Kitchen. Renee's Mexican Kitchen. Renee's Mexican Kitchen, you know, where I get to do some of these tacos that I always love to do. And uh, with a chance to do and also um, some uh, higher end proteins are a little bit more expensive, and uh, with uh, you know with it, with that setting that that allowed, allows you to do it, you know. Um, when I had Taco Boss, obviously you know we, we're selling a, a very inexpensive tacos, so you have to you know choose your proteins very carefully, and um, and so on, on this one I have a chance to to use. Uh, steak, a picanha steak, uh, or I can do um, inside skirt or outside skirts, you know, so, some of those. Uh, some of the better cuts. So, so, some of the, yes, so so they're, they're, they're more expensive and they have a, a different uh, experience, yes. So I want to, I, I just want to, I want to reassure everybody who may have heard that you were in a terrible fire. Yes, it's true. You, you look. <laughs> Absolutely wonderful. Well, thank you. You would never know. <laughs> well, you're, you're right. You're right. You, you know, this is a wonderful technology that 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 has you know come a long way. So, uh, especially on my face, they put this uh, treatment that's made uh, out of uh, mother cells uh, that come from uh, placenta, from human placenta, and they just kind of regenerate your, your whatever cells. Your you skin need. is flawless. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did get a. Uh, a wrinkle treatment there, <laughs> the, so they all disappear, and um, and I'm very grateful. Yeah, it was it was a horrible accident um, that happened what, two years what ago. Happened. Yeah, two, two um, years ago almost. Yes, it's been two exactly. years. Uh, but but you know, it took the whole you know 2018 to recuperate. Uh, I was in the hospital for a few months. Mm. Um, um, I almost died. You know, the people tell me, oh, that was close. No, that was not close. I knock on the door. I touch the door of death, and I refuse to go in. That's how bad it was. So I was flew in a helicopter to to Brandington, and then, but uh, so it, it was it was really bad. What happens is uh, I bought this trailer. It's a food trailer, and one of the equipment had a broken pipe, and um, so I was going to do an event. It was a, a taste uh, a menu tasting event uh, for something I wanted to do. And um, I turned on the gas, and and I did something else. And then when I came back and 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 turned off the stove, it, uh, I got in, in, engulfed in flames. Mm. So um, it, it was horrible. Uh, and um, were you uh, alone? I was alone in the trailer. Um, so so that that was that was, that was the good thing. But uh, I mean, some some who who called the. Ambulance. Well, my daughter and my son, they, they were um, outside. So they actually saw me coming outside of the trailer. I was engulfed in flames. And my daughter was like 
roll on the floor, you're in flames. I was in so much pain that I didn't feel that I was still burning. And and I did that. And then um, um, my wife uh, drove me to the hospital in Brandon. But like, like I said, they they don't have a burn unit there. So they had to fly me in a helicopter. And so they took me to Brandonton, which they could have taken me to another one in, in, in David's Island here in uh, Tampa, but they didn't have any room. So I ended up being in Brandonton. Wonderful people, wonderful team, people with a lot of huge vocation for what they do. And I had a, a wonderful recuperation. But that took, a, you know, the whole year because first I was uh, in a in an induced coma for a few weeks. And then um, I was in the hospital in intensive care for a few more weeks. And so it took me a few months to just to get back home. And then even when I got back home, I couldn't quite work for a few more months. Um, so, you know, getting back my my uh, my range of motion, my, my strength and, and all of that. But, um, so, Renee, but eventually I came around and I'm, I'm good now. You, you are. And how did it change you? Like you said, I mean, well, you were knocking on the door. Well, the, and so, you had a so, lot so, of time to think about this. Yes. Think about food. Think about what you want to Absolutely. do with the rest of your life. Think about family and what is important and, and how briefly, you know, how quickly life is. When I came back, from my accident, I went back to my kitchen. Um, I have a second kitchen in my house in the back. It, uh, and all the tools in all my life were exactly where I left them. It's just kind of eerie, you know, how quickly you can you can lose it. So the, the other thing is, as I was laying in bed in the hospital, I thought, oh, my gosh, I almost died. I didn't get a chance to do the restaurant that I wanted to do. You know, which I, I had many restaurants already. I had Taqueria Monterrey, which I grew into three locations, and then I had Taco Boss. But all of those, I felt, had certain restrictions that, that that there's still something that I wanted to do that I've been preparing all my life to do that I haven't had the chance to quite actually do it. And wh- when I say this, is because wh- when you have a restaurant like Taco Boss, or it could be anything, you know, you can have even a Denny's and, or a McDonald's or whatever. So once you have a menu... You kind of enslave yourself into that because you can't move it unless you want to be one of these chefs that move the menu all the time. But because people then come to expect right, something right, right, they, and you can't completely depart. Right. Let, let's say if you get a Denny's and they say they want to, they, they like the, the five guys' um, idea of, of making hamburgers. Well, they can never become the five guys because they're Denny's and people go to Denny's and they, they expect certain things. And so so first, when you start a restaurant, you, you have an open page. But once you start committing to certain And you're I, successful. As yes, you and you're successful. Then you can't move it. I mean, um, I mean even some of the specials that, that, that we came, um, that, that we brought out, that were supposed to be a special. And then people are like, oh, no, 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 you got to put it on the menu. And then you put it on the menu and you can't take it away. So all of a sudden it becomes the property of the public because in, you, you know you try to take out the um the um the, the, the this what's it called the um the big mac out of uh, mcdonald's people would riot i said wait a minute i'm the owner of mcdonald's i can do whatever i want no, no you can't anymore because now you have this this thing this 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 brand that now belongs to the public and and they love the way it is and and then you have your your customer and then so so that's that's what you do and Back in the day when I had three Mexican restaurants that were called, the three locations of the Monterrey Mexican Grill, and I had about three or four taco bosses. 
I realized that it was very difficult to have two restaurants because there were two trainings, two menus, and then two marketings and, and two uniforms, and it was, it was too much. So I thought, no, I had to have just one concept that I dedicated myself to, and uh, Taco Boss um, was what I chose because it's, it was more popular, it had uh, better sales, and, and it, was, it, it, could, it had more legs, meaning you could put it in more towns than Taqueria Monterrey, who was a very ethnic in, you know, that we had choices like uh, pork crotters and beef tribes and stuff like that. That was very much geared towards the immigrant community that is used to those kind of proteins, and, and they crave it, and it was a very a, a smaller niche. But, um, but anyways, so coming out of this, and, and, and so that was a horrible year, and, 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 and the way that... Um, I, I couldn't work for a whole year, and and and, and so there were very expensive uh, medical bills and, and and all of that. So uh, then coming out of it, I thought, okay, what what am I gonna do? And 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 then you say, no, life is so short. I'm gonna do what I'm meant to do, you know. And then so you come with this, like I, I don't care, you know. I, I'm gonna do what's very deep in me, in, in my love for my craft and for what I have to contribute to the world. And then so I, I came on very decided and it's been very difficult um, um, now getting my um, footing back together into what I'm going to do next. But it's got to be with this priority of it's got to be, I, I got to do a living doing what I love. And then um, uh, so that's, 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 where, that's what all this um, insights came from from almost dying. So, what's next is Renee's Mexican Kitchen, which you feel like is going to be more of a a creative outlet for you. It's going to be the thing that you feel like you were meant to do. Yes, absolutely. And well, what I want to ask is, mm. how much will Monterey play in this? Monterey is, is where you grew up. Right. Um, that's your cuisine. Right. Uh, you started restaurants there. Yes. So are we going to see that in the kitchen? <laughs> well, it's so funny because it, I, I came around and I'm doing some of the stuff that I was doing, you know, back in the 80s in the restaurant that I had in Mexico, my last restaurant. And it was it was super popular. It was super crowded of people. And, and, and the whole menu, the whole menu was three things. You can only order three things. That was the whole menu. So... Uh, so it was uh, a charcoal grill, the uh, outside skirt, and then we had um, al pastor, which it was a, a real. Um, uh, we, we, they, they call it here uh, um, also trompo. Um, is this uh, pork that is in a vertical grill, also a charcoal and um, frijoles charros? There's a soup that is made out of uh, uh, pinto beans with uh, bacon and uh, other little things in there. Was that a food truck? That no, no, no. That was a that was a brick and mortar. Oh. I did have other food trucks before that one. Which, what uh, was that brick and mortar called? That was called a Tia Chonita, which is called a, my aunt Chonita. So that was that was uh, the name that I chose after uh, Aunt Chonita. That was a really good cook in the family and was famous and was uh, very very uh, instructive into um, 
an inspiration and, and, and learning how to cook at an early age, you know. So that was the last restaurant I had in Mexico before I immigrated to the United States. Okay. You've had so many restaurants. Yes. It's kind of hard to keep. I know. <laughs> I know. So that was the last restaurant I had in Mexico. But you said it was super popular. It was just super three. popular. So the, my, my people asked me, why did you leave? You know, you, were, you could have done it really well in Mexico. And I could have, but I, I told them, well, in Mexico, you're adding up pesos. And here, you're adding up dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, it was an economic reason. You know, we grew in a in a, a middle class, a struggling family in Mexico. And when I first came here, it was a a, a customer that we used to have that 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 said that he wanted to um, do a Mexican restaurant, and invited me to do it. That never happened, so I had to start it on my own. But mm-hmm. I didn't have the money, so I had to go back into the street. Yeah, so that's to the truck. To the truck. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So. So will you do the food from Monterey for the next? Yes, or absolutely. So, yes, so I'm, I'm, I'm coming back to, you know, some of those recipes um, that I did, you know, at the very beginning and the way that we did it. Um, so I, I did a little research mm-hmm. on Monterey and the, and the cuisine. And it said the, 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 it's most famous for cabrito, right, roasted right. baby goat. Baby, baby goat, absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that happens and – it's like when you come from Mexico and you were a restaurateur or you were a taquero or, you know, a restaurant owner, is the translation to come to the United States is difficult because you have to realize there are different things. Number one is labor. Because in Mexico, you know, labor is so cheap. You can have someone, you know, doing this mole that takes two or three days. You know, it sells well. You're fine. But here, two or three days, I mean, you can't. You can't sell a plate of mole and, and, and recoup your money. So you have to think of ways of, of, of making those changes. I mean, also, um, there are certain things that, that, that have this terror, to use the French word, that, that, that can only happen in a certain time and place. So what happens with the, the, the cabritos is this is a young male um, goat, that get sacrificed pretty much like the veals they get sacrificed here in the United States because back in the day, and I'm talking the 1800s, there there was this uh, this goat herd where they were usually um, mostly used for milk and, and cheese, and they needed all the females. But you don't need the males. But as the as they were being born, you know, half of them were males. What do you do with them? They would be killed. I mean, so they're and they're delicious. They they are this f- fantastic flavor. That is, there's nothing that could compare to it. I mean, it's so tender, it's so juicy, it's, it's a delicate flavor, and it gets grilled. I mean, my mouth is watering just to think about it. But uh, but now you know things have evolved to where so so those were very cheap also because they were so plainful. You know, you they know, were getting they, rid they of were them so, exactly. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's a supply and demand. They're too expensive. They're they're expensive now in Mexico also because they're they're this. this Tradition has changed. You know, these goats herds have become smaller, and the new generations, all the teenagers and all the, they don't, they don't really are looking forward to to eating goat anymore. And here in the United States, it's very difficult to to find these goats. They're, they're super expensive. I tried to find them and buy them from uh, different farmers, but they're one hundred and fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have to kill them, and then you have to um, butcher them, and then you have to you know, find them like that, and you can't sell them at a restaurant because you know, they're they're not 
um, certified by, by, by the government, by the USDA um, or the FDA. And it's so then, complicated. And then isn't also, it? there's the opposition of the people that feel sorry for this baby goat. It's like, really? But then you don't feel f- sorry for the baby chicken or for the baby, right? So I think what I'm hearing you say is probably we're not going to get the traditional uh, cabrito. No, no, no cabrito. No, I don't think so. <laughs> and and I understand now uh-huh, why. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Let, let me ask you. So Cinco de Mayo. Right. Cinco de Mayo is not Mexican Independence Day. It's the That's celebration right. of a, a, a military victory right. in the village of Puebla. Right. And um, in the 1860s. Yes. Kind of a minor um, celebration in Mexico, a big deal in the U.S. Yes. So, you know. I yeah, let's to talk, talk about, about it. It's, it's so much fun. In the United States, like you say, it's a big deal. Every single um, um, Mexican restaurant celebrates it. I had had 23 different Mexican restaurants in the United States. And every single time, the biggest sales day is Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. It's, it's a big you celebration. Gotta go, it's gotta so, have it's Mexican a, food. Absolutely. It's so big that when I had Taco Bells, uh, all the people in the office, which was, you know, it grew and it grew, so now we had a corporate office, was required to work that day because we needed all hands. And to me, it was part of the culture, okay, you know, everybody needs to go out there and feel what it feels to be, you know, the real world. So the director of human resources and the secretary and the, the controller and this and that, you know, everybody was was. Making tacos? Well, no, maybe, but, but maybe waiting tables or, or really? you know, doing something, yeah. you know. So they get the, 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 the heat because it's the biggest sales day of the year, better than, than, than Valentine's Day or any of those big dates. I mean, so it's, it's so big that now other American restaurants, every American restaurant wants to, to do it, and, 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 and they do have that. And then, so that is part of the, the reason, the commercialization of the Cinco de Mayo that made it so big in the United States. So let me ask you something. Mm. Did you even celebrate <laughs> Cinco well, de Mayo in Monterey? Did you well, no, even celebrate no. growing up? And if you did, yes. tell me how. What did you eat? What was the – what did you drink? Well, How did so, you celebrate? So, you know, first – we in in Mexico only in the state of Puebla is really celebrated, and then there's big parades and this and that. But that doesn't mean that it wasn't important. It was important, and it is important. You know, one of the heroes of the uh, of the Battle of, of Puebla was uh, Diaz Porfirio Diaz, who became the president of Mexico, and he was a dictator for forty years. It was super important. And so we go back to why we celebrate, why we celebrate in the United States and in Mexico. There are other battles in Mexico that we won, you know, that are not celebrated here. You know, like maybe some of the uh, Aztecs who won a couple battles against the Spaniards and those are not celebrated, you know. But why? And it has to do with two things. First, the commercialization that we talk, you know, mm-hmm. the, the restaurants, but not only the restaurants, but the beer companies. And margaritas. The, and the margaritas, <laughs> you know, the liquor companies. Absolutely. Everybody's, you know, like... Yeah, um, that, that. But also, how it came into effect, you know, b- back in the day, has to do a lot with uh, what was happening in the world and and what uh, the United you know, States government wanted to do out of it. And then, so when when it happened, it happened in, in 1861. The, you know, the French um, came into into battle with Mexico. Um, making just basically an excuse out of um, the, the, whatever excuse they could find. And the excuse was that Mexico has suspended payments for the uh, foreign debts. So 
so there was France and there was Spain and there was England and um, the, the, actually the the the, the debt of France it was really small and Spain and England negotiated and said they didn't want to do anything but the French they they saw it as an excuse to, to come and, and, and conquer Mexico so they, they they came and they came around and uh, in in the following year in 1862 they came and uh, to to Puebla and that's when they lost that battle and it was super important because it was the best army in the world at the time. And there were 6,000 French people who fought 2,000 Mexicans and the Mexicans won. So it was a big deal. And and, uh, and the United States made it even a bigger deal because um, at that time had just started the, uh, the, 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 um, the Civil War in the United States. And having the French coming and trying to conquer Mexico, that didn't sit well with the United States because of the um, um, Monroe Doctrine, which was that doctrine that said that the United States had this policy of not wanting to have European colonization. But Lincoln couldn't do anything because if he helped um, fight the French, he was afraid that the French would support the Confederates uh, and then fight the Union together, and that would have been a disaster. At the same time, all the first fights of the um, of the Civil War were being lost by the Union, which was a big surprise. I mean, how could this happen? So they were losing one after the other after the other. And one of the first things that happens, you know, is that all of the southern these Mexicans won against the French, and maybe Lincoln couldn't support it, but he could actually, you know, promote it. And all the newspapers that were celebrating is like. Okay, great. You know, so this is a, a fight that was won by the democracy against the people who wants to in- enslave and who wants to colonize. And so, so it was, was promoted by it was promoted by by, by, by the Union forces by, too. Ex- in exactly. The United States. Interesting. So, mm-hmm. Okay, so it has turned into a big eating uh, frenzy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, beyond tacos, beef tacos, and margaritas. Uh-huh. Um, what What do you eat? What do you eat at Cinco de Mayo. No, no, I think you have it covered. You know, basically, so it's a big party excuse, and I love it. Any party excuse, I take it. But so that one in particular is, is, is awesome because it's, it's Mexican theme, and I think a good tequila and um, and a Mexican food is so varied. Anything you want to eat, you know, basically, it's, it's, it's that big part of socializing and having um, um, fun with friends, and, and there's a lot of uh, menu items that um, are very good for, for partying. Um, it's not the kind of meal that you want to sit down and, and, and you know, this is finger food and, 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 and having fun and something light and you know, something in the center of the tables, you know. That's, that's the kind of food that you want to have. Can you uh, give us some idea of something that would be great to make for a Cinco de Mayo party? I think, you know, some... Uh, some layered nachos in the center of the um, of the table would be great. Um, I'd love to do those, and then so everybody can grab a little nacho with a little bit of the fillings and and the um, and um, the um, the margaritas and the beers flowing. I think I think that would. So you know the way I would make it though is uh, uh, make your own cheese out of really really cheese. You know the queso. So you use actual good cheeses, not just the Valdera. 
you know, so that's when it starts getting really interesting. You do the ones that I like to make that they have a smoked gouda and mm. they have provolone, and so they're you know different mixtures of cheeses that make it really interesting and gooey and delicious. And then you top it off with quality stuff, you know, like uh, charcoal grilled skirt steak that's been diced. So all of a sudden you have a completely different experience that if you're just trying to do the, the nachos that you would get at the stadium, right? Which those are good too for that occasion too. But if you want to have an um, uh, a, a little elevated, a, a little elevated, and mm-hmm. still be f- uh, fun and still be um, party food and but 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 good. So that's what I would do. And in Monterrey, Mexico, what we do a lot of the is is all the grilling. So it's like it's it's, it's the grilling capital of Mexico. I think. I mean, uh, all all the north, really, all the way to Sonora, Chihuahua, the, the, a lot of cattle ranch, and it's a lot of good beef. So every every celebration is always around the grill. So my Cinco de Mayo would definitely be around the parrilla or the asador, which is the the Mexican grill. And anything that comes out of that grill, you know, paired with good beer or um, or a margarita would do. <laughs> Sounds great. Mm-hmm. All right. So what's next for you? We're going to look forward to Renee's Mexican Kitchen um, in Jamal. Um, yes. It, yeah, yeah, Jamal Wilson. In um, Jamal in Jamal Wilson's next food hall. So right, when, right. when can we expect that? Well, you, you know how construction goes. It's always uh, uh, difficult because um, all the regulations and the um, – construction uh, nature of, of of how things are, you know. After building so many of them myself, I tell you that it's so frustrating that it's, it's always seems like a month or two after when you think it's going to be. Right. But, <laughs> but uh, so the, the, it's, it's shooting somewhere around uh, September, October of this year. It's the, the one in the, in the, the hall in, in Orlando, and it's called the Hall at the Yard. And uh, so, and then there's other other two um, projects that are coming next year. One here in Tampa, and another one in St. Pete that are in the works. And um, so, so can that's you tell us a little bit more about? Will those also be called Renee's Mexican Kitchen? Yes. So, yeah. So, oh, so, so the, you've the, got three locations coming up. Then. Right. 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 And so, and that, that's what I want to do. You know, like it's, it's Renee's Mexican Kitchen because it's Renee behind it. You know, you go to all, all these other uh, restaurants that change, and it's like, okay, but who's cooking it? I mean, nobody's cooking it. It's like some committee is cooking it or some corporate meeting or whatever. No. So this is like, okay, this is me. The, I'm behind the grill. And, yeah, I might have to have employees because I can't do it all on my, by, on my own. But you know that someone – so when you see that, the, the, the you know, even the corporate world is trying to do that, you know, like, for example, with Carabas. You know those those two chairs, you know, be on, you know, in the background. But so, but but this is real because I am in, involved in the operations. I'm not just a, a puppet. You know, I'm um, I'm the brains and the talent and the passion behind of what you're eating right now. Fantastic! Can't wait. <laughs> yes, me neither. You know, Renee Valenzuela. It has been such a pleasure speaking to you. My pleasure. I enjoyed it tremendously. Thank you for having me. That was Chef Renee Valenzuela. You can find his recipe for Cinco de Mayo nachos and queso on our website, thezestpodcast.com. I'm Robin Sussingham. Dalia Colon and I produce The Zest for WUSF Public Media. Our contributors include Janet Keeler, Mark Hayes, and Cheyenne Jeglau. <laughs>